John chapter 10, verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I'm known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, speaking of us this morning. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself, and I have power to lay it down, I have power to take it up. Again, this commandment have I received of my Father. And then there was a division, therefore, among the people that are listening, the Jews, saying, um, many of them said, he's, he has a devil, he's demon-possessed, he's mad, why do you even listen to him? Others said that these are not the words of him that has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And the picture closes in 22, verse 22 opens about three or four months after this, three months after this. So this is the conclusion of the Lord's time at the Feast of Tabernacles. Within six months, he'll be on the cross when he comes any man who thirsts, all the things that happened, the blind man healed. Uh, and then he, this is the end of the, the long discourse that he speaks in regards to all of that. And it's the fourth time he's giving this I am, ego am I, like the burning bush to Moses. Now he had said, I am the door. Now he's saying, I am the good shepherd. He qualifies that by five times saying, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's how he's defining it. And he does that to put it in contrast to the hireling who flees. It's interesting, three times in the New Testament, he takes to himself, as he inspires the New Testament, the title of shepherd. Here it says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So there he's the good shepherd. In Hebrews, it tells us this, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, resurrection, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of an everlasting covenant, make you perfect, and he is mature and complete. And then Peter, when he's exhorting the elders, he says, I'm a fellow elder, feed the flock and so forth, don't lord it over them. And he says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So it's interesting, the first 
designation of him as the shepherd laying down his life for the sheep is relative to the cross. The second time we hear about him, the great shepherd, it says, who rose again from the dead, it's relative to the resurrection. And the third time we hear about him, the chief shepherd, when he returns, when he appears, you'll receive a crown of glory. It's so fitting. Three times, once the cross, once the resurrection, and once the return, he takes this name to himself of the shepherd, the good shepherd. Now look, <coughs> David, when he writes, the Lord is my shepherd, of course, I shall not want, you know, it even makes me to lie down in green pastures. He knows what he's saying. John is an old fisherman. And in his 90s, the Holy Spirit's moving on his heart. And he's writing this like he was standing there and remembering. Because he was familiar with flocks. Bethsaida was there at the foot of the hills in Galilee. He saw shepherds with their flocks continually. He understood the care that a shepherd had for a flock. He knew the psalm said that you are my people, the sheep of my pasture. Psalm 80, um, I'm sorry, yeah, Psalm 80 says this, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubim, sign, shine forth. So he understood when the Lord said that, I am the good shepherd. Such an impression it made on John, it struck him. And here he is putting it before us so many years later after it happened. And this shepherd, uh, Matthew tells us that Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he had compassion on them because he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion. That's a word that means he was moved in his bowels. It was visceral. It was not intellectual. He didn't look at them and theologically say, gee, they're like sheep. But he, he was moved with emotion. It was deep within him. And he saw multitudes of people. And he looked at them and they were like sheep without a shepherd, it says. Now he says this is what he's doing about that issue. He's the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, very interesting. That word for there, Hooper, we have it again in verse 15. And context determines interpretation and here, the way it's written out, it's called a preposition of substitution. He laid down his life for instead of the sheep. Verse 15, I lay down my life instead of the sheep. Paul will use it in Romans um, when he talks about Christ. He said, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for instead of the ungodly. God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for on our behalf instead of 
us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. But twice there it says he died for, substitution, for. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live for the Son of God who loved me and died for, died instead of, or in my place. So the great shepherd here, the good shepherd, what he's doing is he's holding himself up saying, look, I'm the substitute. You deserve death. It says he knows his own sheep. He knows us. He died for us while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies. He knows our propensities. He knows our differences. He knows all of us. But the good shepherd, he's saying here, he lays down his life for, on behalf of, instead of, as a substitute, the sheep. That's what makes him the good shepherd. The word, and again, context, good there is the true shepherd or the genuine shepherd in contrast to the hireling. And look, as Christians, we all go through this process. God has begun a good work in this. He's going to continue that work till the day of Christ. But it says even in the ages to come, we're still going to be learning of his mercy and of his grace. And so many times we might struggle with this or struggle with that. There are things in our own lives that are not yet Christ-like. And then we feel like I've got to huff and puff and blow this house down. You know, I've got to get it together here. Like it's Jesus is the substitute plus you. Ain't never happening. If, if, if we could do anything, we wouldn't need a substitute. He's a substitute. He died for us in our place instead of us. And he says, that's how you identify the good shepherd. By his sacrifice of himself. He says, but the hireling now in verse 12, he's not the shepherd whose own sheep they are not. When he sees the wolf coming, he leaveth the sheep he flees, and the wolf catches, catches up with them, and scatters the sheep. The hireling fleeth, the reason, because he's a hireling. And he careth not for the sheep. Now look, he's certainly using this in context of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious system who just drove this blind man out. But he's taking, you know, it's a picture of something in their culture. The shepherd would care for the sheep. He would watch out. But at different seasons, sometimes temporarily, he would have a hired hand who would help him with the flock. Now that person would be, you know, willing to endure some elements. He'd stay with the flock when there was frost or when there was rain. But he was a hireling. So if his life was threatened, he saw the wolf coming, he was out of there. Because what good is pay to a dead man? The frost wasn't going to kill him. The rain wasn't going to kill him. He sees life threatening. He's gone. Where David 
He said, I myself, you know, a a lion came after the flock. I grabbed it by the beard and I killed it. And a bear. And when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he knows what he's talking about. He knows that a shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hireling's there for what he's getting out of it. It can just be a hired hand, but it flips over to a picture of the Pharisees and so forth. And he says, and when the wolf comes... It doesn't say he devours the sheep. It says he catches up to them and scatters them. The enemy always wants to do that. They're not devoured because they're his sheep. And he says the hireling flees because they're not his. And he doesn't care for the sheep. He cares more about his own hide than he does the sheep. And Jesus then says, I am the good shepherd. I know... Now, here's the way it reads in the Greek is, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. And I am known of my own. As the Father knoweth me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Again, laying down his life. So he gives us this remarkable picture, and he tells us something. He says, I know my sheep, they know me. I know them. He knows us. He knows what the person next to you doesn't know about you. He knows what the person who really thinks they know you doesn't know about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Because he says, take heed while you stand, lest you fall. When you're saying, hey, I'm never going to do what that person did, look out. He knows us. Look, he knows us and he laid down his life for us. He didn't die for fallen angels. He died for sinful human beings. He knows us and he laid down his life for us. He's omniscient. He knows everything every peculiarity, every difference between every person in this room and every believer on the planet today. That's omniscience. That's an attribute of God. How can he know everything about everybody? But what it means for you and I is we don't have to wear a disguise. You might fool people, but you ain't fooling him. And we're all different. Look, he chose 12 guys. One was a devil. But those guys are all so different from one another. They're all different. Remarkably. And he knew their names. Nathaniel, Peter, we're going to change your name, you know, and so forth. He knows their names. He knows ours. He knows our nature. He knows all of those things about us. So, you know, I don't have to come and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to, you can, trust me, I'm going to do it this time. No, I don't have to put on the disguise. I can come and say, Lord, I'm afraid. Or Lord, I'm bummed. Or Lord, I'm wrestling about this. Or Lord, I don't think what you're doing to me is fair. We want to take them to the court of fairness sometimes, don't we? There's no sense covering that up, saying, hey, Lord, I trust you. I believe. I ain't afraid. Because he can see our hearts. So we might as well be in front of him what we are inside because he's going to continue the good work he's begun in us. 
And he says, I know my own sheep. And then he says, and I am known of them. And look what he does in verse 15. As the Father knoweth me. Now King James says even so, but the, the grammar encourages the and again. As the Father knoweth me, and I know the Father. Then there's a break. Then he says, I laid down my life. So he says this. He says, I know my own sheep, and I am known of them. As the Father knoweth me, and I know the Father. In other words, there's no human relationship that I can hold in front of you to try to describe how I feel about you. There's no love that a husband has for a wife or a father has for a son or a daughter has for a mother. There's no human relationship that I can use to describe my love for you, my care for you. I know my own, and I am known of my own. We know him to the degree that we know him. And he says, it's, and as the Father loves me, and I the Father. That's, he says, that's the context it's in. The love that I have with the Father. He said, no man knows the Father but the Son who came down. He's the only one. And no man knows the Son but the Father. There's, that's an eternal knowledge. Both of those are infinite personalities. There's no end. And he says, you know, as the Father knows the Son, the Son knows the Father. That's the way I know my sheep. And that's the way we know me, that we know him. Now look, because it says in the ages to come we'll still be learning of his grace, do we know him perfectly? No, we don't know him perfectly. He knows us perfectly, but we know him. You get saved and your friends say, well, how do you know you're saved? Well, I, don't, I don't know. I know that I know. I just know that I know that I know. It's something that happens internally. And we know him. And in a thousand years, we're going to know him better. And in a million years, we're going to know him better. But because he's infinite and we're finite, we will always be knowing him better and never knowing him completely. We will, you know, our destination is an image as well as a place. We will always be being conformed and never arriving at his full image. Just think of how incredible that is, you know. In the ages to come, our shepherd will be better known to us, you know, as we stand there face to face with him. He says that the hiring flees because that's what he is. He's a hireling. He, he doesn't get anything out of this, but the shepherd does. And I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And I am known of my sheep. Look, nothing in eternity gets all. You know, you, you look at Revelation chapter 4 there, and they're singing, it says, over and over, forever, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and is to come. You know, if they, all things were created for thy pleasure and so forth. And they're singing this over and over and over. 
And nobody's sitting there saying, oh, my goodness, can't they learn a new song? We sing this over and over and over. I can't believe he's singing that verse again. Get him off of there. Let him learn a new song. You know, people the first service do that sometimes. Uh, but the thing is, every time we look up and see him, every time the cherubim look up and see him, they see more than they've ever seen before. Not of what he's not, but of what he is. And every time they look up and they see measures of his grace and his glory that they've not known in a past glance, the song becomes more fitting. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. That's where we're headed. He's going to take us there. He says, in this experience, he knows his own sheep. He said, we know him. And he said, but I can't compare what's between us to any human love. He said, it's as the Father knows me and I know the Father. It's in that context of knowing one another. And then he changes from the third person to the first person. Now it's not the good shepherd lays down his life. Now he's going to say, I lay down my life. And the four is there again, instead of, on behalf of the sheep. He's the good shepherd. He says, now I'm the one who lays down my life for the sheep. Um, putting it in front of us. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one. Now, King James says fold. There are two different words, a bad translation. There shall be one flock and one shepherd. So he says, you know, he has sheep in that fold. Israel, Judaism, Nicodemus, and Joseph of Arimathea. the, The fold was the enclosure. You know, Judaism was the fold then, as it were. And he had sheep within that fold. Many of the priests would come to believe and so forth. But then he says, I have other sheep and them I must. There's an indivine, a divine necessity, a divine imperative. I must bring them, that's you and I, sitting here this morning, other sheep that are not of that fold. We're of a different fold. But we are all one flock. And one shepherd. Jesus knows nothing about national prejudice. Jesus doesn't look at the color of a person's skin, he doesn't look at their background, the language they speak, the country they're from. There are different folds, but there's one flock. Down in Florida, there's different denominations trying to help people. They're praying. They're, they're different folds. But there's one flock. I'm glad there's different folds. I'm glad there are some people in another fold and not in this fold. But there's only one flock. Problem is, sometimes we try to convince people if they ain't in our fold, they ain't nowhere. You need to be a mind. We don't know. No, there's different folds. He knows us. He knows us individually. But he's saying here, but there's no, God doesn't see what we see. Again, he sees the church in North Korea the same way he sees it in South Korea. He sees the church in China the same way he sees it in Taiwan. 
sees the church in Iran the same way he sees it in Israel. Sees the church the same way in North America and South America. Seems the church the same way in the Republicans and the Democrats. There is no prejudice with him. His work is for humankind. There may be many folds. There's one flock. There's one true church meeting around the world today. How remarkable. And it says, those who are not of this fold, I must bring them. And look what it says here. And they shall hear. There's no doubt. They shall hear my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. They shall hear my voice. Look, do we hear his voice? You know, David would say, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall not want. And he goes through the process and he says everything he goes through, he's there. He speaks to us. On the loneliest path that we find ourselves on, When there's no other human that's sufficient. When we feel forsaken or betrayed by everyone else, there is a voice, a still, small voice of one who knows us. And he knows us, John tells, because he became flesh and dwelt among us. He's touched with our infirmities. We've been touched with his glory, thank God. And he knows us. Our joys, our sorrows, our propensity to sin, our different weaknesses, the chinks in our armor. He knows us, and he laid down his life for us anyway. There's Christians you think shouldn't be here. He laid down his life for us anyway. And he said, they're going to hear my voice. I'm going to bring them. Are you glad of that today? Therefore, because of that, doth my father love me. Because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. Look, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And I have power is authority. Excuse me. I have authority to lay it down I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received of my father. He said, the father loves me because I'm, gonna, I'm laying down my life. Look, what he's telling us is, you know, the, the cross was not the end. The cross was the beginning. He says, I lay down my life for the very purpose of taking it up again. And he said, it's in that that the Father loves me. He says, I have authority. And then he says, yet I do it at the Father's commandment. He had authority to cooperate with the sovereign will of his Father. He didn't have to. And yet he did, as a sovereign himself, have the authority to lay down his life, to take it up again. He does that in the will of God. And he's saying, the Father loves me. Because I do this, because I lay down my life as a sheep, because God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So we get a look at the heart of God here as well. Jesus is telling us, look, I'm not a martyr. 
I was not a victim, not of Judas, not of the Romans, not of Pilate, not of Caiaphas. I laid down my life. No man took it from me. Peter hacks off somebody's ear and he says, put your sword away. Don't you think I could call 72,000 angels down right now if I wanted to? He says to Pilate, you don't have any power over me except it could be given you from above. He says on the cross, you know, while they're nailing him, the tenses are beautiful in the Greek, as they're nailing him to the cross, he says, he kept saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Not a victim. And when it was done, he said, is it, it is finished? He said, Father, into thy hand do I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. He died when he wanted to, when it was done. And he says that here, no man takes my life. Nobody took it. I did this myself. And the reason I laid it down is so I could take it up again. It's one purpose. And he says, it's because of this that the Father loves me. I have authority to lay it down and to take it up. You know, it says here that Jesus raised himself. Romans tells us earlier in Romans that God raised him from the dead. Then it tells us in Romans chapter 8, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he'll quicken your mortal body as well. When you read through the New Testament, it tells us Jesus raised himself, God the Father raised Jesus, and the Holy Spirit raised Jesus. Is that true? Yes. So who raised him? Yes. Same answer. He said, and this commandment, this is the heart of the Father who knows me perfectly as I know him, have I received of my Father. The, the, the Father is pleased in him and he's raised again, you know, not just because he does something, not just because he's a martyr, not just because he's a sacrifice, but because there's resurrection on the other side of it for the glory that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. And he tells us he's taken us to be part of that. He knows us. He's going to say to some in that day, be gone. I never knew you. But he says, I know my own and they know me. And the love that's between us is the love that's between the Father and I. The way he knows me and the way I know him. And I laid out my life instead of them. If you could do any of it on your, on your own merit, you would not need a substitute. I am very thankful that I have a substitute. And when I have to stand before Almighty God, he's going to have my sin on him. I'm going to have his righteousness on me. You can't beat that. That's the deal of all deals. Now... People react to that. You tell people, 
Hey, Christ died for my sins. He rose again. How many people are we telling now? He's coming back. You see all the signs, all the stuff. You know, we try to tell people that and they forever respond the same way. It says, then there was a division, a schisma, a division among them, the Jews, for these sayings. And many of them said, he's got a demon. He's got a devil. He's out of his mind. Why are you listening to him? And people will say that to you. You're crazy. This is Jesus-only stuff. What are you talking about? And interesting there, it says, verse 20, many said that. Then verse 21, it says, others, which are not the many. The others, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, there were others that said, these are not the words of a madman, of someone who has a devil. Can a devil... Open the eyes of the blind. 140, Psalm 146 says, The Lord, Jehovah, openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord, Jehovah, raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord, Jehovah, um, the righteous, he loveth, the righteous one. So these other Jews are thinking the way other friends of ours will think. Now, this isn't crazy. What other hope is there? Everything's unraveling. What are we going to trust? The UN? You know, it's interesting. When you go to Israel, your guide will tell you across from across the Kidron, from the southern part of Jerusalem, when you're looking at the Kidron Valley, you'll see a, a hill with a big building with all these antennas on it. And they said, that's the UN headquarter in Israel. The hill that it's built on has an ancient name. It's the Hill of Evil Council. <laughs> Who are you going to trust in these days? Putin? Biden? You know, who are we going to trust to pull things together while it's, it's unraveling on every front? Jesus. Jesus. You know, the good shepherd died for our sins. The great shepherd rose again so that we can rise. The chief shepherd, he's coming again with glory, with a crown for us and ever-ending glory. That's who's in front of us. That's who we have. That's, no doubt, you know, David knowing and being able to say, as we should, in some ways with more light than him, after he faced a bear and a lion for the flock and was willing to lay down his life. What was he thinking? We said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall lack no good thing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, not of death, of the shadow, where the bear, where the lion is, where the wolf is, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy, my cup runneth over. And then it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow. That's not what the Hebrew says. 
It says, surely goodness and mercy shall hunt me all the days of my life. Isn't it nice to be hunted by goodness and mercy? You're, you, what, what a prey you are. You're being hunted by goodness and mercy because you have a good shepherd who never turns away, who knows who you are and loves you anyhow. Because he, he's the God that calls things that are not as though they were. Though they were. And this good shepherd tells us we are justified, we're sanctified, we're glorified. Let's stand, let's pray together. Lord, we look to you this morning. We thank you for your word. And Lord, this, we, we, we come to these places, Lord, they ever gain more weight and more depth in our hearts and our minds. Lord, as little children, we learn the Lord is my shepherd, the 23rd Psalm. And it means one thing to us at one season in our lives and another thing to us, Lord, as we age. And the depth and the beauty of it, Lord, are unceasing. And we're thankful. Lord, you are our shepherd, Lord. We are under your care. And you give your life instead of us on our behalf and that it pleases your Father. No matter who understands, no matter who criticizes, we know in our hearts, Lord, your voice. And we know this is true, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen.